0: So uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a uh, difficult thing I found to um, to prepare a uh, a decidedly Christmas message. A um, little, little harder than um, just sitting down and taking a scripture where you're at and unfolding it. Um, it's a little bit more uh, of a difficult task because what do you say that has not been said when it comes to the birth of Jesus? Um, you say something that's that that is just specific to that birth, or what do you say about that birth? You can say all kinds of things. So uh, this morning I'm going to focus in on one particular phrase, and then we are going to see how that plays out from Genesis to Revelation. And I think anytime we are hearing and listening to uh, a message, um, anytime we are in church, and we hear somebody teach from the Word of God, one question that we might ask ourselves is, is what is being said here, can I take that truth and apply it from Genesis to Revelation? Is that truth true in every place? Is the truth that is that, um, being spoken for me to apply to my life, would it have applied to the biblical people that it was spoken to? as well as apply to me, then you know that we are on the track, right? That we have heard what God says because God has never changed. He's been the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that's one thing uh, as, as a listener and a hearer of the word of God that we can use as a litmus test. Does this apply across all of scripture and also apply to me? So to all people in all places at all times, this is an application for me. That's one test that we can so let's look at our uh, Matthew 1 I'm going to read uh, from 1:18 uh, through 24 Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together she was found to be a child from the Holy Spirit and her husband Joseph being a just man and willing to not unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly. which means God with us. God with us. It's what I want to focus on this Christmas season and this morning. This idea that this son was born, that you would call this son Emmanuel, that you would name him God with us. It's not just a name to be given. It was the truth, the reality of the moment. The reality of the moment is that God is with us. So as I thought about this, and I think about what the Christmas season has been about, and we've talked um, a little bit about some of the prophets that were we were reading through um, these last four weeks as we were waiting for the, the day that this son would be born. What Israel would have done and thought about waiting for their coming Messiah. So I think about that, and I think Christmas season is a lot about waiting it's a lot about waiting. Um, we know this from our child's perspective. As they take a look underneath the tree and they see gifts. So Christmas is a, is a season for them about waiting for the gift. Um, and from an American perspective, you know, they might tell you that publicly or that politically correct, it's, it's not to say Merry Christmas, it's to say Happy Holidays. But yet, even those who might say Happy Holidays, what do they put up in their home but a Christmas tree? What do they do but have gifts underneath it, the same as you and I do as Christians? And what do they do but celebrate on Christmas morning? But from an American perspective, that would be a celebration of us. It's a celebration of commercialism. It's a celebration of of what um, they've been able to attain financially. Uh, It becomes a celebration of us. From a Jewish context, this God with us is is merely just a sign from God. They were looking for a sign from God that God was indeed with us. From a Gentile perspective in that time, it would have been proof of God. The Gentiles were always looking for wisdom. The Jews were looking for a sign. The, The Christian perspective then is that Christmas ought to be a reflection of the fulfilled promises of God. As we look back on the sun, we look back on the birth of the Son, and we have the hindsight of, of, of having Christ in us, uh, we have the hindsight of looking at the cross of Jesus Christ and what he's done, that when we look at it, and we go back to this idea of Christmas, we look at it and say, you know, from a Christian perspective, I just want to reflect that the promises of God have been fulfilled. And that that God's promises are true. So, a Christian like you and I, if you are indeed in Christ this morning, armed with a childlike faith, it encompasses all of these perspectives that I just talked about. We celebrate the promise of God's gift of his son. And it's as a sign and as a proof of God's fulfilled promise in Emmanuel, God with us. As I thought about the breadth of Scripture and thinking about God with us, I think about all of humanity having longed for living in the presence of God. All of us long to live in the presence of God and have God with us. I think back to Genesis chapter 3. You guys can flip there with me if you want. In Genesis 3 and verse 8... We see that that God was with Adam and Eve in the garden. God with us. Jesus with us. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? God was with them in the cool of the day. If we look further at Genesis 3, uh, 22, 23. Genesis 3, 23. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove the man out, and to the east of the garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. see... What is the great repercussion of the fallen human being? Absent from the presence of God. Not that God was absent. Notice this, that God wasn't absent. God wasn't looking around trying to find Adam because he didn't know where he was. But it was as their custom was to walk in the cool of the day. So God was with them. The presence of God was with Adam and with Eve. And he's saying, Adam, where are you? Where did you go? Why did you turn away from me? What is it that is a barrier between you and me now? We had a connection, Adam. Adam, you and I walked in the cool of the day, and now we cannot. Now we are separated. I am still here, but you can't sense my presence. You don't know that I am here with you. What is it that got in the way? Well, (coughs) sin got in the way in our fallen state. And ever since then, we've been on a search as humanity... Humanity has been on a search for the presence of God. As we talked earlier, from a Jewish perspective, they wanted a sign. Something symbolic that would say that the presence of God was indeed with them. That God was indeed dwelling where they were. From a Gentile perspective, looking for the truth, a proof that that proves that this truth, that God is with us, is there. I need some sort of tangible proof. I need to intellectually be able to wrap my head around this. I need some some proof that, that God is who he says he is, that God's promise is true. And I think about this in my own life and in my own heart is that we look for God to live with us because we just can't live without him. We just seriously cannot live without him because without him, there is no life. We have no life without him. To put it another way, we look for a sign, and then we are sure, us as believers, that we, that we are to live by faith. We, we know that, right? We've, we've heard that heard many times, that we live by faith and not by sight. Yet we still, there's something in us that longs for proof of the truth. There's something in us that wants some more tangible proof, something that I can put my hands around that says that this faith walk that I do, I have something I can show you. That yes, this is indeed true. Well, as we reflect on the birth of Christ, it's as a sign or a proof of the reality that God really does indeed live with us. When we look at the, at the, at the Christmas morning, at the, at the birth of the Son, why would we pay so much attention to that which it seems, as Joe and I were talking this morning... It seems that oftentimes Christians place a lot, of, a lot of emphasis on the Christmas season and on the birth. When, when in reality for our lives, for us as we live, it, it is the resurrection of Jesus that gives us hope. It's the resurrection of Christ that we walk in, right? And so why do we look back then on the birth? And I believe that it is that when we look back on the, on the birth, we know that the promises of God are true that God is with us, and that he would go to any length to restore that relationship. He would go at any length to um, eradicate our sin, that which separates us from having God with us. So if we look through um, Genesis, we can see that that Abraham, Abraham longed for the tangible presence and understanding that God was with him. So four times in there Abraham builds an altar. He has uh, if you read this on your own from Genesis 12:5 through about 13:18. so read through that sometime and you'll see that that God interacted with him. God was with him but he wanted proof of that truth. He wanted a reminder and when he wanted a reminder he built an altar. The first altar he built is in Genesis 12, 5 through 7, that he calls the altar of promise. Then, just a a verse later, he builds another altar. The altar of intimacy, they call it. Because he's been restored. He messed up, and then he got restored, and he built an altar to remind him that God was intimately with him. He goes back to Egypt. Another big mistake. God restores him. He builds an altar. In Genesis 13, 3 through 4, that's called the altar of no return. Because God returned him. God restored him. God was in relationship with him. And then, the last one in verses 17 and 18 of Genesis 13 is called the altar of possession. That is, the altar of fulfilled promise. He built the altar knowing that God had fulfilled promise. The promise in him that God was with him. So you see that, that, that further Israel, beyond the altars, they wanted something else to have the presence of God with them, something of a sign, something of a proof of the truth. So God in His Word instructed Israel to build a tabernacle, that something of His glory would dwell there. And then yet they built a temple. They built a temple that could hold maybe something of the glory of God. But that only one man, once per year, could come into the presence of that holy God, right? That day of atonement, right? Well then, after sacrifice was done, what do you do? Sacrifices were done and eliminated, and yet they went to try to seek the presence of God in the synagogue, right? And then yet, finally, we get to this. We get to us, we get to the church. So when we look at the church, we don't think of the building as the presence of God is here. The building is this, it's us. That God's building a people for himself. That is the presence of God, and God dwells within us. In Acts seven forty eight, you never thought I'd get back to Acts, did you? It's been three weeks, right? But Acts chapter seven, verse 48 says, Yet the the Most High God does not dwell in houses made by hands. You can build a temple. You can build a tent. You can do whatever it is to try to contain the presence of God, the fullness of God. And it would be nothing except a sign. It would be nothing more than a sign. Because the Most High God cannot dwell in a house built by hands. A holy God dwells in the hearts and souls of us. Because... Of the birth of his son. Because he sent his son. So what I want to do now. If you guys will bear with me. Let's look at John chapter 1. I want to teach through John chapter 1 this morning. As the fullness of who Jesus is. And the fullness of the birth. The fullness of the idea of God with us. Let's begin in John 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So here we are. We're here Christmas morning. And we are looking at the birth of Jesus. Why is it a big deal? Why is it that we focus on this birth of Jesus when we thought about the fullness of it being the resurrection where we look back at the birth of this and see this coming Christ, this one that we were waiting for he was always present with the father everything that was created was created by him it was in him and through him and for him right? he is the one whose presence we see he is God with us verse 4, in him was life And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So you see here, this Jesus that we look at on Christmas morning, this baby Jesus born to us, he is the possessor of life. He is indeed God. You see, he was always present. You see, he is the pre-existing one. He is the one whose presence we see. He's the possessor of life. He is the one without, we cannot have life. Let's look at verse six. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He was a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not that light, but he came to bear witness about that light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. You see, Jesus is that light. This baby Jesus that we come is that light has come into the world. And that we don't understand that that God is with us. And why is it that we don't understand that God is with us when the true light is there? It is because our foolish hearts, our foolish hearts were darkened. Our foolish hearts were darkened so much that even our eyes can't see light. Our hearts become so dark that we can't see that light was very present with us, that God was with us, that God is with us. If you can't see Jesus today, because I think the whole aim of the Gospel of John is this, that we would see Jesus. That's the point of the Gospel writer. He wants everyone who would read these words to see Jesus, but you can't see him. You can't see him if your foolish heart is darkened because of that sin, right? That's why the baby Jesus came, Maybe Jesus came so that he could live a life you couldn't. He could die a death you wouldn't. And he could conquer both sin and death. That through him, you and I might then have our hearts open and softened, And light would just penetrate us. And then, guess what? And only then can we see Jesus. And then we can see him. And you know what it tells us too? That one day... That we just were at a funeral both Friday and Saturday ahead and I were at one last night. The reality is this, that when we see him, we will be like him. That's an amazing truth. That when we see him, we will be like him. That is amazing to me. That is a day to look forward to, I would say, my friends. So let's, let's read further here again uh, from verse 9. The true light, which gives light to the world, Everyone was coming, uh, gives light to everyone. It was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. I started thinking about what would Christmas look like? If we remember to look at his birth as a way to bear witness to Christ as a present reality. To take the fullness of who God is and say, here we are at Christmas morning and I want you to know that that this Jesus that's talked about here in this text is not a fairy tale story for us to to just come together this one time in a year. But but this Jesus is really the, the, the... It is a picture and a proof and a sign of the reality that God is with us. It is a proof of the truth. It is that the promises for us are assured. What if Christmas looked like that in our homes? What if Christmas looked like that in our society? One day, Christmas will look like that, right? One day, it will look like that, but we will just be in the presence of God. We will be in the presence of Christ forever in heaven, and that that day, and we will be like Him. Amazing, an amazing truth. Verse fourteen, and the Word became flesh. That is the birth of Christ, right? The very Word of God, the thought, the logic, the the logos, the Word became flesh, and it dwelt among us. And we who have seen His glory, glory is the only. Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We who have seen, we who have seen, we who have been transformed, we whose hearts have been softened by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can even experience this, like we have seen the glory of the only begotten Son of God, full of grace and truth. That's a celebration of the baby Jesus on Christmas morning, is that we have seen the glory of the Son. We have seen the glory of God in the Son, And he's full of grace and full of truth. What I'd like us to do now is to think about this in the full breadth of of who we are and where we're going. Doug read this passage actually, without me knowing I was going there, I didn't know he was going there, from Revelation um, just this past Wednesday. Um, If you would flip there to Revelation 21, in Re- Revelation 21, here's the future reality of God with us. It starts with the promise of the birth of His Son, that God is with us. He, You shall call his name Emmanuel. He is God with us. It's proof of the truth, right? It's proof of the truth from eternity past that we look upon the baby Jesus. And then... John would say, everything that has been made has been made through him. So that is true of our present reality of who Christ is. And then he says this. You know what's reliable? It's reliable because the future has already been secured. The future of God with us forever and ever and ever has been secured. When you put off this sinful body that blocks your vision, this foolish, darkened heart that you cannot see that God is with us in the person of Christ. When that is put off, when that is finally put off forever and ever and ever, then take a look at Revelation 21, beginning in verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. So that God is with us. And the promise is that as we look at the birth of Jesus, we can say, God will never ever leave us or never forsake us. He's given us that promise. And guess what? It's not based on you. It's not based on you earning the right to be with God. It's this, that God sent himself as, as a sign. You see that quote from, from Matthew 1 is really from Isaiah. And in Isaiah 7, they're asking, he's, he's saying, well, ask God anything. Ask him for a sign, and ask him for some proof, and they say, "Oh no, no, we're not going to trouble God with that, and he says this, well, God himself will send you a sign, and he will send you a son. he will send you a sign, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. He says, God says, I'm going to fulfill the promise, even though you haven't asked for it, even though you won't ask for it, because your foolish heart is too dark to even ask for the presence of God, even though... In the deepest core of who you are, that is what you long for, and God knows that. And God says, even though you will be stubborn and not ask me for me, I'm going to give you myself anyway. I'm going to give you myself, and then allow His Spirit, right, to go to work in softening our hearts that we might see this Jesus. And let's look ahead to um, to 22 or 21, chapter 21 of Revelation. Uh, I want to look at 22 through 27 because I want us to see the reality that God dwells in each of us, that God is with us, that when we are loving each other in a Christ-like way, right, that we can see a proof of the truth of the reality that God is with us. When we love each other as Christ loved us, there's something of a tangible proof of the truth that God is with us. Because he dwells in us and not in a building, not in a place. And I saw a temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of a sun or a moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring uh, their glory into it. And the gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. See, there's nothing detestable. Would you like to live in a world where nothing was detestable? Nothing was awful. You didn't have to worry about, you know, the sin of the guy you don't know that's coming up against you. And, you know, we walk in that now in that reality, but God says this, that when there is no temple and there is no need, when I am with you, when I am the temple, when I am all the object of your worship, when I am everything, and you need nothing else to worship, me, you need nothing else to be in my presence, he says, in that day, you'll have. there'll be nothing that could get in that way. There'll be nothing detestable. It'll all be good and pure and holy and right. I, I long for that day. So I want to say this to you. God has an offer for you and for me this Christmas. He would say this. I gave myself to you as a son born of a virgin, that I might dwell with you always. I did this to prove my love for you. I bore the weight and the gravity of your total depravity upon my son, that in him you might have life. That's what he would say to you this Christmas. And he would ask you this, will you receive it? Will you receive it? I am giving you a gift this Christmas, he would say, of my son. And have I not proven it to you? And then he tells you again in John, he says, you know, if you receive it, you will be born again. Born of the same likeness of my son. Not of blood, not of the will of man. But just like the child Jesus, you will be born of God. That is Merry Christmas. That is God with us. That is the reason for His Son. Amen. Is that God would be with us. Let's pray. Lord Father, I thank You so much that You did send Your Son to be with us. I pray that we would understand that, that because You sent Your Son uh, here to live as one of us, To be more human than we are human. And yet to be able to conquer sin. To live a life without sin. To pay a price that I couldn't pay for my sin, for my transgression. That by faith, I trust that Jesus conquered both sin and death. And that he's resurrected sitting at the right hand of the Father. But He didn't leave us alone, and He sent us the Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to guide us, and to to direct us that we might see Jesus. I pray that today that there's one here that for the first time says, you know, I want to walk in the reality that God is with me, that God is in this world. I pray that you would stir in their heart to put their faith and their trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ On the cross, that the Holy Spirit would come into them right now and dwell with them, that they would confess that in their own sinfulness they cannot see you, that they cannot see and sense your presence. But the reality is that Christ paid for all of that on the cross. And that it's as if I had never sinned, God washed that away so that I could sense the presence and live in the presence of God with us. We give you praise again for who you are, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.